Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, Let's do something real quick before we dive into this morning's message. I want all the moms in the room to stand up. We got to see some of the newest grandmothers and the newest moms. Come on, stand up. If you're a mama in this room, come on. you. Yeah, let's go. Let's give it up one more time for moms. Yeah, you are loved. We hope you are getting spoiled today. And if you're not getting spoiled, you have every right to yell at somebody uh, to this today. Um, but yeah, we have nothing for you. No more gifts. So you can go ahead and have a seat. Um, but hey, thanks for being here. Uh, a day where we get to not only honor some of the legends in our life, but we also get to look at who God is in our life. We've been in this series called The Mental Mess. Last week, we talked about how we have the power to shape our minds. Uh, and that's, that's the truth. I think sometimes we think about how our mind and our thinking is more abstract and uncontrollable. But the reality is you and I have that ability to control our thinking. But how many of us know we need some help in life, right? That even though you might have the power to do something, a little bit of help goes a long way. In fact, let's just recap in what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. He says this, those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. He continues on, he says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. And I want to highlight those two words, letting. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. How many of us could use some peace when life gets a little uh, in turmoil and and throws us a curveball? In fact, a couple weeks ago, I was throwing a curveball, a pretty severe curveball. My wife told me to go get the baby girl dressed for the day. Yeah. So here's the thing. I got two older boys, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old. That, those guys are pretty easy. I know there's three essential elements in their wardrobe, a shirt, some socks, and some shorts, right? It's that simple. Underwear's optional when it comes to the boys. Like, we just leave it there. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, but when the baby girl comes, like, mama's like, hey, here, you got to go take care of the baby girl. And I'm like, all right, I got it. Like, so we go up there and, and a little different, you know, like there's bows that come with the baby girl. There's the bows on the socks and having everything match, you know, like color coordination. Is it a dress? And is it like a onesie? And so finally, I do what every smart, intelligent father would do, helping out his beautiful wife. I decided to pick the easiest outfit out for my daughter. So I grabbed something. I'm like, I'm just going to throw this on my daughter. She's going to look great, going to look cute. There's so many snaps and buttons that I was crisscrossed. I didn't know what was going on. Truth. I I was like, okay. And finally, baby girl is screaming her head off because her head isn't fitting through the pant leg. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And I'm sitting there. I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting irritated. I'm like, I got my beautiful daughter who was in a great mood. I was in a great mood. And now I have this task of getting her dressed for the day, making making sure everything's all right. And I just easily got so 
irritated. Finally, Brittany, you know, she knows it's taking some time. Like, Brittany is like super mom. She dresses the baby in, and like, we're out the door in five seconds flat. It's quick. For me, it's a like 50 minute process of trying to figure everything out. And I remember when we finally, she's yelling, and she's like, Blake, are you ready to go yet? I'm like, what do you think I'm doing? I'm still changing baby girl. Still trying to figure this out. Finally, Brittany comes up the steps and just kind of leans in the doorway and she could tell I'm, I'm getting frustrated. This time, like sweat's dripping off my head and I'm getting irritated even more. And finally, we get to the car. And I just remember being so frustrated. Brittany just leans over. She puts her hand on my hand and says, all you had to do was ask for some help. You know, have you ever been there when all you had to do was ask for some help? You know, if we know it or not, help is all around us, but we are pretty prideful and stubborn people, right? Like, we don't like to ask for help. We don't like to ask for directions. How many men in this place are thanking God that there is now Siri and Google Maps, right? Like, thank you. But, you know, when the truth of the matter is, is, is sometimes it's very difficult. It's very challenging to drop ourselves to a point to be essentially saying, hey, I, I need help. But I want to encourage you. I titled this message today is Just Ask. And when we're sorting through the complexities of our minds and the mental map and the journey we go on, we all need help. When Paul writes our sinful nature, he's talking about there's some things that can really lock us up. There's some things that can really be frustrating. And a lot of our mess in life begins in our mind. So before we dive into maybe how we find help, let's talk about, for instance, why we have struggles when it comes to asking for help. The first one is simply this. We have this great fear of being vulnerable. There's fear of vulnerability. Because whenever you ask for help, what you're basically saying is, hey, I'm at at your disposal. You see the problems in my life. And we we grow up in a society where you don't want to be a person that has some issues. You don't want to be that person that needs to go to someone because you need assistance. We also see that when it comes to asking for help, there's some pride and shame. Because it means when you're asking for help, you might be in a situation That means that you have to humble yourself to somebody else and be like, look, I got this hanging up in my closet. I got this that I'm I'm trying to battle myself. I got this addiction. I got this thought process. I have this torn up relationship and and you're struggling. And so you don't want to ask for help because there's this sense of shame when you're really screwed up and jacked up. And you're like, oh man, now I got to go to someone and be vulnerable and maybe they might look at me and there might be some shame that comes along. But we also see this, we don't want to ask for help because we lack trust. There's this lack of trust. Have you ever asked someone for help before? And when you went and asked them for help, the news and the advice they give you made things worse. And so you're like, man, last thing I am going to do is ask anybody for help. So you try to carry that weight, bear that burden all by yourself. See, that leads me to this this note, this saying, and, and what I want us to really hone in on is this. When it comes to asking for help, God wants to unite us while the devil wants to isolate us. I want us to understand that you're not to do life alone. 
that you need others around you. You need others to help you clean up that mental mess that you might have made. You might need someone to say, hey, that's kind of negative thinking, that's worrisome thinking, that's fearful thinking. You need help to someone put some guardrails on the way you think. See, in James chapter 5, verse 16, we see this when James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, therefore confess your sins. And I want to pause right there, okay? We are a Bible-believing church. The infallible Word of God was written in 66 books that's meant for us. It's a journey. It's a map for us in life. Now, you might be new to faith and trying to explore. We simply believe we're people that have sin in life. And in other words, we're people that have made some big mistakes in life. And you know what? We need help along that way. We need help navigating that. So when James says, confess your sins, he's not just referring to the physical mistakes that you've made. He's not saying that you need to confess your lies or maybe your impure relationships. James isn't just addressing those. James is also saying that we can sin in our thinking. We can sin in our thought process. When Jesus, you look back in the gospels, he's saying, if you lust after, if you think about lusting after a woman, what have you done? You've committed that form of adultery. Where? And it's all happened in your mind. When in Philippians, when Paul is saying, don't be anxious, don't be worrisome, what are you doing? And, and maybe you're going down a rabbit trail and you're filled with all these thoughts, you know, like your thinking can be sinful. So today we want to talk about that. So when James says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So what he's saying is, yes, even in our thought process, you and I need some help. But you know what? I don't know what you're thinking. Your neighbor doesn't know what you're thinking. Mothers, your husbands and the, the, the fathers in your life don't know what you're thinking, right? How do we express what we're thinking? By asking for help. So today, that's what we're going to be talking about, this mental mess that can kind of get mixed up and messed up in life, how we need to move through that, think properly, and see how God can lead us. And that dream brings me to this big point. Seeking help is a sign of wisdom, not weakness. Capture that. Seeking help is a sign of wisdom and not weakness. We're going to look at what is referred to in Scripture as one of the three wisdom-filled books. It's in the Old Testament. Now, you might be new to church and figuring this whole thing out. We look and break down the gospel. We look and break down the Bible kind of in, in this simple format, but it's yet a lot more complex. But I'm going to give you a brief synopsis. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The four gospels, they, they uh, uh, whoa, hey, it's like, whoa. You know, I didn't know if that was like going on up here, out there, outside these walls. I was like, whoa, okay. Do I need to like step back from that topic? You know, I'll stand over here. <laughs> Woo! So four gospels, let's go back there. So the Old Testament points to Jesus. The four gospels, they teach about Jesus. Acts proclaims Jesus. The epistles in the Bible, these books, they affirm Jesus's teachings. And then Revelation talks about how Jesus is coming back. 
So when we look at this, we go back to the Old Testament and we see in the book of Ecclesiastes, I can hardly even say that word, the title of that book. That's how wisdom filled it is, okay? The other two are Job and then we see Proverbs. Ecclesiastes is a unique book and it's written in a certain kind of format that can kind of be divided up into three different ways. First way is this, that time essentially is, is, is this thing we can't control. It's almost meaningless. In fact, we see this word called havel, and there's this Hebrew word that appears 38 times through the book of Ecclesiastes, that no matter what, in 100 years, are people even going to really remember us? Like, it's like, whoa, like, you put it that way, yeah, wow. And then we move on when we see Ecclesiastes. Another theme in this book is this, that life is sometimes random, And what really matters is what we do in the present and our current attitude, our current way we process the little joys in life. The meal you're about to have after church, that's what matters. How you enjoy the company and the fellowship of the people you're with. And then we also see that when life is moving through in the book of Ecclesiastes, when this word reappears, that it's, it's uncontrollable. We can't always hold on to it. And that there's this, there's this uh, 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 kind of scene in, in what's painted in this wisdom book is that death is very much real. So when you're reading Ecclesiastes, you're almost like, this isn't a book that really cheers you up. This is a book that's wisdom literature that speaks to our life to help us navigate some big topics of life. So the writer comes to this point in this passage where it's talking about this partnership and how we're supposed to live with one another. And that's what we're going to be talking about. That's going to be the key to seeking us, seeking help. So the first one is this. When it comes to seeking help, do this. See others as collaborators and not competitors. See others as collaborators and not competitors. You know, from a very early age, we are wired up in our human nature to compete against people all around us. We call this unhealthy competition envy. We call this unhealthy competition, uh, this, this word that appears, it's envy. And, and in other words, we see it play out in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4. Then I observed that most people, most people, this writer puts it this way, are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless. It's like chasing wind. And that word meaningless is where we see that Hebrew word of havel. And in other words, chasing what other people have, chasing status of what other people have is essentially meaningless. So in other words, it's not about competing to your neighbor to the right or to the left. It's not about that. It's about how can I bring them into my life? How can I form a relationship and learn from them? I know some of us, it's hard. We're hardwired to compete, right? Anybody have some sibling rivalry, right? Like maybe you're a parent in this room and you're like, yeah, we got some going on right now that we're working through. Or maybe you're competing with a coworker. You want that promotion and you'll almost do anything to get that promotion, Or maybe you're just competing with your neighbor. I know, like my neighbor, he competes with me all the time. He drives this lifted truck and it has black rims and it's nice. It's a four by four. It's tinted out. And then he sees me walking out 
and I got this Kia minivan. I'm like, yo, dude, what's going on? You like this thing? I see you eyeing me. Like, that's where we're at. I'm like, they call it the Kia Carnival because it's a party, you know? Like, and we try, I'm like, dude, quit being jealous of me. Quit being jealous of my, my minivan, my, my whip, you know? <laughs> He's never really said that. This is all played in my mind. When I come out, and I kind of like get in my car, hey, guy, you know? Like, it's usually how it goes. But see, a lot of times, like, we're, we're just wired up to view people as competition, right? We're wired up from a very young age, view people as the, the opponents. Well, in wise thinking, the writer of Ecclesiastes puts it this way in, in verse 9. It says this, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. I mean, in other words, when we start collaborating with people, you start getting some of the best minds, best ideas. You start thinking healthier. You start saying, hey, this is a new option. You can earn more. You, see, you can enjoy a life better. I mean, it's a little interesting when you're dancing by yourself, right? But when you're dancing with other people, it's a party. You enjoy life. We need people around us. We need people to collaborate, to share some of our ideas with. We need people to collaborate when it comes to the mental mess in our mind. You need people to say, hey, is this truthful thinking? This is what I'm struggling with. Can you help me? See, when you try to go at life alone, it can be very difficult. I want us to capture this. The greatest resource we have in life are the people in our life. Who you put around you really and truthfully matters. They're your greatest resource. They can bring great joy in life. They can take great joy out of your life. So I want to encourage you, who you have in your life, are you competing against them or are you collaborating with them? One of the wisest minds of modern era that's ever walked this land, his name's Albert Einstein. We're all familiar with him. We've all seen that image and that picture and that poster at school. He says this, said this, excuse me, many times a day I realize how much my own outer and inner life is built upon the labors of my fellow men, both living and dead, and how earnestly I must exert myself in order to give in return as much as I received. And in other words, daily, he thinks about those who's impacted his life those who've come before him, and those who are present in his life. So you viewing people going through life, I'm telling you, it gets pretty messy when everybody you're walking by, you're competing with. When you're looking at your neighbor and saying like, man, their life's put together, it really should be like, hey, let's, let's just talk, let's grab coffee. What could I learn about from you? How's everything going? Tell me about your relationship. Talk to me about your parenting. Parenting is hard. There's no perfect way to parent. Every kid is different. Don't view people as competition. View them as, view them as people you can collaborate with. We also see this when it comes to the key to help, is be supportive, not suspicious of others. Truth is, it's really easy to be a critic. It's really easy to think the worst about people. It's really easy to be suspicious of others in, this, in the fact like, well, that's their mess. 
They did it. They dug their own hole. They made their own bed. Now they have to lie in it. You know, the world is full of that kind of thinking. As someone that follows Jesus, we're called not to be suspicious, but how can we support one another? Even though someone's in a problem, they caused that problem, their thinking led to that problem. What can I do to say, hey, I'm going to support you. I'm going to help you. It doesn't mean you're always going to agree with the way I'm going to support you. It doesn't mean it's always going to be the nicest and the kindest and the simplest and the easy, but I'm going to support you. I'm going uh, to help be a part as you go through that journey of what you're facing. See, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10, the writer puts it this way. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in trouble. Someone who falls alone is in trouble. Who you have in your life matters. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will them themselves be refreshed. I think about it. When it, you're refreshing someone, you're in turn going to be refreshed. When I think of people in this church community, this faith community, who really refresh not only me, but other volunteers around, I think of this amazing couple. I think of Rose and Sam Fletcher, phenomenal individuals. They're supportive of the ministry, and there's so much so. Sam serves on the site safety team. They've been attending faith for many years. Rose is involved in the youth ministry and in the kids' ministry. They're pillars in this church. I mean, they've gone through some hard things lately, and I remember sitting out there in the coffee table and just talking with them and, and hearing what's taking place. And I kid you not, they were both smiling and just saying, like, Pastor Blake, if we're not smiling, what else is there to do? And I was just amazed and I was moved by just the joy they carried in their life. Here's what's unique about Sam and Rose Fletcher. These past several years, they've served in student ministry. And they had three different student ministry pastors. There's someone before me, and then I served a little bit in student ministry, and then Pastor Chris. And I want to tell you, out of all of us, Pastor Chris, man, him and Lillian, you saw her doing the uh, spoken word up here. They are complete upgrades from me. I can say that thoroughly. They're amazing leaders for our next gen. They care and they love for students. But see, what I love about Sam and Rose Fletcher, and they're involved in the student ministry, they were the most supportive people arguably up there getting involved. They weren't suspicious. They weren't like, what's this new idea you're coming up with? They weren't saying like, hey, they, there was no, no toxic thinking. They supported the ministry of what was taking place with our students. And they didn't just do it with me. They did it before me, and they're doing it with Pastor Chris. It's people like that that form this church, that build up this church, that can change lives outside these four walls of this church. And what's a quality that they have? They're supportive. They're not suspicious. Many times when we process our, th our, our thinking and our thoughts, we need people around us that can support and not be suspicious. The world is full of people that are suspicious. Are we being people that can support and therefore be refreshed as well as we refresh others. Another key to seeking help is this, be vulnerable, not vague. Be vulnerable, not vague with others. Um, 
I was traveling in my early 20s, and I sat next to this individual. We were on this uh, flight, and he had this European accent, and I was like, hey, man, what's the difference? You know, the small talk, what's the difference between, uh, you know, what takes place where you're from and, and, you know, what you've experienced as you traveled the States? And I was shocked. I was expecting him to say, hey, yeah, the food is a lot different, you know, the styles, people's outfits. And this is his response when I asked, what was the biggest cultural difference? He says this. He goes, where I'm from, Whenever you ask someone how they're doing, they're real. They tell you really how they're feeling. He goes, whenever someone asks me or whenever I ask someone how they're feeling in, in the States, they just say good. You know, I've, have you ever been in that process before? Someone asks you how you're doing, you know, you just had a messed up week and what do you say? I'm doing good furthest from the truth, you're like, dude, if I stop right now and told you how I was really feeling, like, woo, we have to be vulnerable, not vague. You need people in your life that can speak truth in your life, that you can open up to in life. In verse 11 of Ecclesiastes, in our partnership text, we see this, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? And in other words, we have to have people to be vulnerable with. And to take it a step further, you need someone that you can cuddle with. Now, I want to pause there for all the young guys out there, and maybe some of the older guys out there, and ladies, like, you're cuddling too much, if you know what I'm saying. You don't need to be cuddling that much. You need to be thinking about that. Who can you be vulnerable with. Well, the first place when it comes to vulnerability, it starts with God. It starts with God. Um, there's this man in the Bible, his name's David. You might have talked and heard about him. We speak of him quite often because he's one of the greatest kings to ever exist. Well, David, so you know, makes some big mistakes. He actually murdered an individual and he cheated on his wife and, and caused a whole lot of issues. But see, he didn't have anything to give God. A burnt offering wasn't going to be accepted, and he was really hung up. So he just had to be completely vulnerable. And knowing that he's a sinful man, he's broken, he's messed up, there was problems and perils in his life, he says this and writes this in Psalms 57, 17. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Complete vulnerability he had. He says, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Some of where we have to be is that, God, I'm going to be completely vulnerable with you. That's the starting place. You've maybe come into this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. My encouragement, my challenge to you is make the starting place saying, God, I'm going to start believing in you. God, I'm going to accept you through your son Jesus and what he's did on the cross. And I'm going to be vulnerable with you. I'm going to tell you how I messed up this week. I'm going to tell you how my life of the past 20 years was filled of addiction and problems and issues and relationship turmoil. Maybe you need to start there. Maybe say, God, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to lay it all on the table and let you deal with it. That would be my encouragement. Don't be vague. God wants you to be real with him. But then also when it comes to vulnerability, I want to encourage you with this. And I could speak a whole couple series on vulnerability. But I would say this, vulnerability is selective. 
You don't need to share with everybody the greatest issues that you have in life. You need to share with the right people in your life. You need to share with those who can keep confidence. You need to share with those who have proved themselves. You need to share with those who are people that you would aspire to be, not someone that you're like, hey, they're going to give you the worst advice if you're sitting at a bar having a couple beverages. Like, that's who you need to be vulnerable with. People of character, people of belief, people of great faith, people who walk the walk and talk the talk. Anybody can be vulnerable with, uh, with uh, individuals that just want to gossip and talk back and forth. We got to be vulnerable with the right people. In Proverbs 13, 20, we see this from a different book of wisdom. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer. So are you vulnerable with someone who's wise or are you vulnerable with someone who's foolish? And then we also see this. The key to finding help is simply this. Find strength, not solitude, with others. Find strength, not solitude, with others. You need people around you in your life to lift you up. You're better together. That's why we say get involved in a group. That's us say join a class. Get to know people. Serve at this church. Be involved in different aspects, nonprofits, faith-based nonprofits. Because there's strength when we partner with people. Life is already hard enough. Going at life alone, man, that's even more difficult. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, in the closing of this partnership passage in Scripture, it says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I love that word. When you have someone in your corner, back to back, it's not that you just defend, you conquer. Like, you can take ground, you can win, you can have a great victory. Not just, a hey, barely get by, but you conquer. And then there are even three. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The writer puts it kind of two threads we can run with. The first is this, the more people who you can bring into your life, who are a part of your life, that can uplift you and kind of have the qualities that you need in your life, the more the merrier. But then when it also looks at the, the triple braided cord, is where's God woven into that? You gotta find strength with God. When God is in your relationships, man, they're vibrant. They're extremely strong. They help us to be better people. They help us to be stronger people. They help us to do what God's called us to do, to develop character, to move us from where we are to where God wants us to be. In John 15, 12, Jesus gives this command and, and he's speaking and he says this, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. I want to pause right there. Love each other the same way I have loved you. You know what Jesus goes and does? He lays down his life for you and I. He takes all the sin in this world and he goes to the cross for you and I. 
you might be in here right now saying, hey, I'm just kind of going through the motions. I have a lot of mental mess taking place. I, the starting point, relationship with Jesus. You find strength with Jesus. He's that thread in your life. He can change your life. He can move in your life. Do to others the way he would do and has lived for you. And then verse 13, he goes on, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Talk about strength. Talk about great love. In John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. So in other words, Jesus goes, he said, we're looking around and Jesus is like, man, I got strength. You know why there's strength in this church? Because you got people around this church that would give up their life for someone to their right or their left and the front and back. My friends, that is a strong church. Are we individuals that are gonna find strength with each other or are we gonna live life of solitude? Because you might be in here right now and there might be a lot of mess going on. Maybe it's physical mess, but maybe it's starting up here in your mind and you're like, man, I am messed up. I'm screwed up. I'm mixed up. I got problems. I got perils. Lord, I need some help. I'm telling you where you find that is strength within the church family, who that church family pursues and pleads with God and worships God because of what Jesus has done. So I want to leave you with two questions today. Two questions to ask yourself. One, am I willing to ask for help? Remember, we can't know what's taking place in your mind. Those closest to you can't know what's taking place in your mind. You got to be willing to open up. You got to be willing to share. You got to be willing to go through that process. And then secondly, as Ecclesiastes puts it, it says, who am I helping? And in other words, it's a partnership. It's just not one-sided. Who am I helping? Because it's seasons, it's two sides of a coin. Sometimes we're on a great mountaintop experience and sometimes we're at the valley saying, God, this mess is uncontrollable, I am done. That's not where God wants you to stay at. That's not where God wants you to live at. That's not where God wants you to end up at. He wants to say, this mess, it might be difficult, but he can bring people around you to help clean clean it up. So right now, I'm going to ask each and every one of us, if you'll go ahead and stand. We're going to dive into a moment of worship. We're just going to reprise the song. And I want to challenge you this as we reflect on who God is in this moment to what we call response to the word being taught is this, man, we're going to have our prayer team come forward. And as they come forward right here, we have people who want to stand with you. We want to help you navigate some of the challenges that you might have been faced with, some of the mental mess you're exploring. And maybe you just need some help getting there. We got people, our prayer team, they want to be with you. They want to stand with you. They want to pray with you. They want to help you know Jesus. And maybe you're in here right now, and that is the starting point, knowing Jesus. Your next step, come forward, and someone will pray with you. Someone will talk to you about who Jesus is and how he died on the cross, was raised three days later by God's mighty power, how he saved us and transformed us when we believe in him. So today, I just want to encourage us before we sing, ask God, hey God, work in my heart. Lead me in this moment. Let's pray, church. Lord, to give you this time right now, we worship you, we praise you. 
Lord, some of us right now, we're faced with the complexities of life and we can run down negative trails. We can be full of fear and anxiety and hurt and pain. And it can be this mental mess in our mind. God, we're praying right now that you give those individuals a boldness to step out and seek the help and ask for help in which they need. Lord, we pray right now for those making a decision to follow you, that their starting point is to engage and encounter a real relationship with you through their son, Jesus. Give them a boldness to move from their chairs and to move to seeking and stepping out with a prayer partner, Lord. We give you this moment. We give you today, Lord, no matter what we face, we celebrate the legends in our life. And Lord, we give you ourselves. We say, Lord, lead us, guide us, and move us and help us to become better individuals because we looked at your word together as a faith community. And in your great and holy name, we all say, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.